Welcome to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Our focus is the novel coronavirus. I'm Josh Sharfstein, a faculty member at Johns Hopkins and also a former secretary of Maryland's health department. Our goal with this podcast is to bring evidence and experts to help you understand today's news about the novel coronavirus and what it means for tomorrow. If you have questions, you can email them to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Gabe Kellen, professor and chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Kellen is also the director of the Johns Hopkins Office of Critical Event Preparedness and Response. In our discussion, Dr. Kellen explains how health systems are preparing for multiple scenarios related to the novel coronavirus, including the potential for large numbers of critically ill patients. Let's listen. Great, Dr. Kellen, thanks so much for joining me. Pleasure. So um, tell us a little bit about your position here at Johns Hopkins. So normally my position is as chair of emergency medicine for uh, Johns Hopkins. Um, And for probably the purposes of today's discussion, I'm also the director of the Johns Hopkins Office of Critical Event Preparedness and Response. So what's the Office of Critical Event Preparedness and Response? So during normal times, um, this office monitors the potential for disasters, develops policies, puts out information, uh, upgrades our preparedness efforts across the entire system. And then during a fairly big event, we spring into action. So what are the kinds of scenarios that you're thinking about as you think about the coronavirus to prepare for? Well, the kind of things that we uh, have to worry about is where are we going to put patients uh, and in what order, because we have five hospitals here. We have all children's um, down in Florida. We have a whole set of clinics. How do we screen patients to sort things out? And of course, there's there's guidance for that. What are the implications uh, for policies? Things like travel. What are the implications for um, healthcare worker and uh, our workforce policies related related to travel, related to self monitoring, return to to the clinical area. Uh, what are the best practices for um, PPE personal? protection when we when we take care of patients. Uh, a really big one is communications to get it just right, not too much, not too little, mm-hmm. properly uh, focused. You want people to, aware but not panicked. Well yeah, so there's the there's the content of it too. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, uh, really, really weird in that we are not panicked, but the the world around us is panicked. Yeah. And it makes our workforce our faculty, our students, our residents, they're all, they're all wondering, why aren't we panicked when the rest of the world is panicked? Yeah. Like, they're thinking, you're not thinking about this right. Like, everybody else is shutting down travel. Every, everybody else is shutting down their institutions. Like, why aren't we doing yeah. and what do you, this crazy stuff? What do you tell them when they say that? Um, we tell them that we base our decisions on good public health practices and on science. We are fully recognizing the optics of this, but we are not going to give in to fear. It doesn't mean that when appropriate, we will take these kind of actions. Mm-hmm. Um, but un- until it is, we're not going to simply react in a chain 
uncontrolled chain reaction with other institutions that are doing these types of things. Right. So you can uh, first take your pulse, as they say. Right. But on the other hand, uh, we are monitoring closely. It's not like we're going to dig in and say, no way are we ever doing this. Yeah. Uh, When it's appropriate, if it's ever appropriate, um, then we'll do some of these more extreme things. So just just to talk about the kinds of things that might be in play if there were a lot of patients who were sick with um, the novel coronavirus infection. People talk about having a special place to go if you have those sorts of symptoms so that everybody can be assessed in one place. Do you think we might see that in different parts of the country? Not speaking specifically about Baltimore, but just drawing on your expertise more generally. Do you think that's the kind of thing that we might start to see if there are more patients? Uh, Almost certainly. Uh, Some states are gearing up to have specific testing sites. Um, The trick will be... Does everybody who want to be tested get tested? Because right now with the panic that's out there, everyone's going to line up around the block. Right. Just even if they're healthy or, or have a low-grade cough, I, I wonder if this is coronavirus, they're right. going to get tested. Um, so some states, including ours, are considering ways to test the public, but based on real criteria. Right. So you don't just blindly test, but it might be a more expansive definition. And just yesterday, the CDC came up with a more expansive definition of of who we might test anyway. But right now, that's moot. There just aren't enough test kits right. and there aren't enough labs. But over the coming weeks, different hospitals, um, different institutions will have their own ability to test. And if I can get one message out there... Mm-hmm. Please do not go to the emergency department to yeah. get tested. Right. Uh, first of all, you won't get tested if you have if you don't meet the criteria. And if you go there because you have a cough or a, a fever that you would otherwise stay at home for, then all you're doing is contaminating the entire uh, waiting room and so forth. Um, you need to stay home. And I would also say that um, we shouldn't panic. Uh, we certainly know that for many, many people, big swath of people who will or have been infected with coronavirus, the illness is mild. The, the kind of illness where you would otherwise take a few days off work and uh, you would you would chill out at home right. and, and ideally not come to work. So if you're sick, right. please, please, please. For this one time, at least, right. do not come. I mean, to work. people appreci- may not appreciate. You know, you were ready here at Johns Hopkins for Ebola patients. Yes, right. I mean, th- that it was a very serious uh, threat to really everyone who gets Ebola. This is another infectious disease with a different set of um, issues. But um, for for you, it's um, figuring out, sizing up the infectious disease and figuring out the right, right response. Um, but it's not exactly, it, yeah. it's not like a brand new concept. No, and and coronavirus, you know, has similarities and and is a cousin or is related to SARS and MERS, COVID, and and so forth. So it's in the same type of virus. Um, And when we think of disaster preparedness for infections, we we think very broadly all different types of emerging infections um, and pandemics that might happen right now. Right. I don't think it's actually been labeled a pandemic, but we're certainly preparing and treating it as such. So um, there may be places where people will go if they meet the criteria for testing and potentially diagnosis. If there are more sick people, 
um, with uh, very sick people with the COVID-19 disease. Um, do you imagine that that could lead to changes in the way hospitals are organized? You know, do you think that there might be like a, a floor for patients with this, or even if there are enough patients, a hospital for patients with this in different parts of the country? How, how do you see the healthcare system changing as, you know, it, in the case that there were right. to be more patients, which I think is, you know, a fear, but not an unmanageable fear at the same time. It's, it's not an unimaginable fear. So uh, first, let's review that we have influenza A and B all around us, and this happened to be a really bad year. Yeah. And we're functioning routinely. We're right. stressed, but we're making influenza A and B diagnoses left and right yeah. every day. And, yeah, the emergency departments are full. Um, so we're used to infectious disease is being diagnosed and a swath of people coming in stressing our system. So uh, coronavirus is within that realm. And the issue is that because it's got this mystery to it. There's no vaccine. And the situation has been so hyped that everybody's afraid mm -hmm. that we have to treat it a little bit differently. Uh, right now, uh, the coronavirus is uh, considered requiring airborne precautions. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. That's negative pressure rooms with anti-rooms, the Don and Doff stuff, and uh, the those of us who care for such patients have to put on certain type of masks and shields and, right. you know, like that spacesuit nonsense. Right. You see, at least that would be the maximum. Um, it's not 100% clear that this virus actually needs airborne precautions. Right. Um, if it could get downgraded, it will actually change our response. If it gets downgraded to uh, droplet precautions, um, then it opens up. Uh, a whole other way to consider configuring the hospitals. I see. There is some uh, science uh, and safety that says that uh, patients are best cohorted in places that you can get negative pressure rooms or an mm -hmm. entire floor that's negative uh, pressured. So uh, many of the hospitals are looking at their facilities very closely and probably like us probably already have, yeah. so that if, if there's 5, 10, 50, 100, what would be the plans? And if you're a big system, you can probably figure this out for several hundred people. Um, if you're a standalone tiny hospital, this is going to be a lot trickier, and that's where the health department right. or the cooperation of other major systems comes into play. So um, maybe... Last question I want to focus a little bit on okay. cooperation, because one of the things that's clear already is that this uh, infection is not going to appear the same in every community at the same time. You know, big problem in Seattle right now right. Um, that we're talking about it is moving in different parts of the country. Someday, you know, Baltimore's card yeah. may come up. Right. Um, do you think that um, there exists a system or how would you go about um, relying on hospital, like maybe other patients coming to Johns Hopkins if other cities get a little bit stressed or vice versa. Do you think that could play, be one of the ways to manage this um, uh, situation? Uh, it could be. That is very complicated when mm -hmm. you cross uh, state lines and would require um, lots of legal issues. Mm -hmm. There'd be almost certainly a federal 
um, state of emergency or, or various federal requests and MOUs to take such patients. Certainly within the region, within our own health system, um, this is our game plan. I see. And I would say um, that we're just at the beginning of trying to organize the big systems in the Maryland area so that we could discuss exactly this along with the Maryland Hospital Association and, and the Maryland Department of Health uh, and possibly in cooperation with, with D.C. because, as you know, we're fairly small and there's like five other states around right. us. Could we come up with a cooperative look at where are the best places to put patients if we were uh, totally overwhelmed? Well, um, well, I think um, that's really sort of in case of emergency you know, open this folder kind of uh, planning, right. but that's already starting, it sounds like. Yeah. You know, I have found that the more you are prepared, the less badness happens. <laughs> and the, the more you say, ah, we'll figure it out when it happens, it's going to happen. Yeah, okay. It's just simply going to happen, and, and then you're truly scrambling. Yeah. Well, I really um, appreciate how much uh, you're doing to protect people here in Baltimore, Maryland, but also through your work across the country. And I thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharpstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamari Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen McCusker with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.